0: Well, ladies, thank you for braving the not-quite-yet-snowstorm and coming um, to our study. We'll be a smaller group than sometimes. I don't know if any of you were out for the last four weeks, um, but smaller group than sometimes, but that's kind of nice. You get to know people a little bit more, get to spend a little bit more time talking um, to each other. But before we really dig in, I'm going to go ahead and pray real quick, and then we'll it started officially. Father God, thank you for your word, and thank you that it is living and active. Um, Thank you for this group of women that are um, determined to study your word, and that we can do so together, and I pray that as we begin our study together tonight, that you would just help us to lay a foundation for the coming weeks to really um, see Psalm 23 with new eyes and gain some new insight into what you would have us to learn. And we pray for those who couldn't join us tonight, um, that you would encourage their hearts and um, guide them wherever they are as well. Uh, Thank you and praise you for the chance to be together. And um, we put this pending snowstorm in your hands, knowing that you are more than capable to keep us safe and to protect us um, on our way home from here in just a little bit. And God, we just ask your spirit to lead us. and guide us as we study. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, before we ever start any Bible study, whether you're sitting at home or whether you're in a group like this, um, I always like to say we should ask why. Why are we studying? Not in a um, uh, condescending way or anything like that, but just to remind ourselves and bring us back to the point, why are we studying? Why are we taking time out of our weeks to come out in the cold. And maybe you've had a long day, maybe you haven't had a long day, but it is later Uh, in the evening. I know sometimes it's harder to come back out if you've been out and then gone home. But why take the time and commitment to study together? And the reason is, I hope you would say, to know God. Um, The Bible has so many things to tell us, um, and I think it will, as we learn about God, reveal some things about us as well. But we approach it as a book about God, um, and he is um, yearning to tell us more about himself and teach us about him through his word. Um, And he's blessed us so much with the um, tools to know him. He's given us his word. He's given us his spirit and his grace to be able to know him more. Um, And so that is why I like to talk about, um, I don't know, we like to talk about in society how we, I don't know, I think we go to the Bible to learn about who we should be. And the Bible does, in God's grace, again, show us that. But primarily, we want to learn um, what it has to say about God. And um, as an outpouring of learning that, hopefully um, our lives will be changed as well. Um, We're gonna go over the homework page at the end. It's not too in-depth there, but it is in front of you. Um, But our goal is that you will, not that you're going to check off a list of questions or answer a certain amount of questions every day, but that you'll study, study the word, um, whether that's you read through it, the passage every day, whether you get through, um, there are some questions there and just a guide, whether you get through the first point of the guide and that's all, you spend three days doing that, that's great. Um, there's no goal to get X, Y, and Z done every day or even throughout the course of one week The goal is to study, study with our minds. Um, So often, I even catch myself doing this, we approach scripture looking for something to make us feel good, feel better. And certainly the word of God is a blessing and encouragement, um, but we want to approach it intellectually and with our minds, not just with our emotions, but um, to really approach it saying, what does the Bible say? How can I study it? Um, not just looking for the passages that make me feel good because when we approach it that way, we hop around and we cherry pick the parts that make us feel good and we read those and we avoid the rest of them because they don't make us feel good. Um, But if you've been around Sailorville for any length of time, you know that's not how um, the church as a whole approaches scripture. And even the parts that make us a little bit uncomfortable are so rich um, and powerful in our lives. So here we are for Psalm 23 specifically, and I will be honest, when we were deciding what this four-week session was going to be on, and Psalm 23 came up as one of the um, ideas for the topic, I was like, okay, I can do that, I guess so, but I was intimidated, intimidated because the book of Psalms is huge. Obviously, we're not going to spend four weeks on the whole book of Psalms, we're just narrowing in on... um, Chapter 23, but I was intimidated because it's so big. There's so much to cover. It happened over, or that was written over, a long period of time, and it's just different than a lot of scripture. It's poetry. It's not narrative, and it's not the like the um, letters of Paul in the New Testament. It was intimidating, um, but as I began to study and dig into Psalm 23, I was just blown away, and it's such a familiar passage that. I've heard and read. I memorized it when I was in kindergarten, and um, it just is encouraging and comforting, but I had missed so much because it was so familiar. So I'm really excited to dig in with you. We're going to spend a little bit of time tonight in chapter 22, but before we do that, in case you're anything like me and a little bit intimidated at studying such a familiar passage and um, part of such a huge book. We're going to watch a video that is from the Bible Project, and it's a a little bit longer, um, so bear with me. I don't think you'll get bored. It's pretty interesting, but um, it's an overview of the whole book of Psalms. Again, we're not going to spend our four weeks on the whole book, but just to put the psalm we are studying in the context of the whole book of Psalms. So I'm going to get out of your way so you can actually see it, and we'll watch Okay, isn't that a neat video? Did you know that there was so much packed in there? I think we could spend certainly more than four weeks studying the whole book of Psalms. Um, maybe we'll, we'll keep that for another time. But um, what I love about that video is that it shows us how even in the Old Testament, I think sometimes we forget just how rich with the gospel Old Testament, and as that video showed us, the book of Psalms is it's not just poetry for poetry's sake, it's creating an expectation for Jesus and for the people um, at the time that they were written. It was, you know, this there were so many unknowns surrounding who the Messiah would be, but obviously now we know um, that it's Jesus that it's talking about. Uh, Like I said, we're going to narrow our focus. In our focus of our the coming weeks is going to be Psalm 23, but we're going to start tonight in Psalm 22, and then at the end of our study, we'll spend a little bit of time in Psalm 24, um, just to take this super familiar book and put it into a little bit more context. And as I started studying to prepare for this, I was kind of wrestling around with how do we, how do these all fit together. And, just wondering how that was all going to play out. But as I've pr- studied more and more, it's just been overwhelming how exciting it is and how it all fits together. So we were going to break up into small groups. But since we're, we're such a small group, I think we'll just do the small group activity together and we'll kind of, um, yeah, just change gears a little bit. But we'll just do it together and get the benefit of kind of. Teaching on it and going through with a small group discussion part of it together at the same time. Um, we're gonna. I'm gonna ask somebody to read Psalm 22, if you don't mind. And for the rest of us listening, I'm gonna grab. For the rest of us listening, let's listen for any familiar phrases or things that stick out to you that you have said, "Hey, I think I've heard that somewhere else in Scripture," and I think you'll. Um, catch on to kind of what I'm getting at as someone reads, but um, then we'll kind of dig into it from there um, and take some notes and get to it. Do I have someone that's willing to read it for us? Go for it. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you for reading that. I know it's a, a longer passage, but you did great. Thank you very much. As she was reading... Were there any phrases, I think, even looking at verse 1, even just starting there, any phrases that sounded familiar? Where else have you heard them? Go ahead and speak up, if you would. I'll repeat kind of what you say so that the people listening in can track with us, but Christ on the cross. Yeah, it says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In verse 1, that's that's echoing Jesus' words on the cross. I'm going to write these up here as we go along verse one to someone while we're um, considering that can someone or maybe a couple people turn to Matthew 27 in verses 21 through 55 we're gonna find some of the parallels here we start starting in verse one obviously that's a that one sticks out at you right away it's a familiar phrase but we'll see some more as we go and see how it parallels that passage in Matthew 27. If you find the verse in Matthew 27, shout it out. No, 46 for now. We'll, we'll track them as we go. we're going to be jumping back and forth a little bit. Hopefully it's not too confusing, but back in Psalm 22, it's depicting the death of Jesus and depicting, similar to Matthew 27, as we'll continue to see Jesus on the cross. Um, Verse 1, we see, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Just like Lynn just read in verse 46 of Matthew 27. In the the phrase, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We know that Jesus knows, in this case, that God hasn't forsaken him. He's not, um, he has a bigger picture. He understands his own suffering. It's an emotional and a rhetorical expression. He understands it, um, but it just depicts the agony that he that he experienced on our behalf. Um, verses four and five from Psalm 22, say, so you hear, you know, that, fra- that question from verse 1, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the, um, the questioning and the complaining, maybe for lack of a better word, continues for the next couple verses, and then the tone changes in verses 4 and 5. It says, in you our fathers trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. You hear those questions that he asks and then the tone changes in verse 4 and he's um, expressing a confidence and confidence in remembering the faithfulness of God to those who have gone before him. Um, What, as we read, was there any other, or I guess maybe what was the next thing that stuck out to you that kind of reminds you of Matthew 27 and the, the crucifixion, the events surrounding the crucifixion of Jesus? Mhm. Yeah. Absolutely. Someone that has Matthew 27 open, do you see where that parallel is? Mhm. Sounds exactly like verse 8 in Psalm 27. almost word for word. Verses 41 through 43. There's a whole section in Matthew um, 27, starting all the way back, like you said, 41, but even before that, Psalm 27, you start reading all of the mockery of Jesus, and um, they just go on and on. It's kind of all the way up until the cross. What else after 22, verse 8, the mocking? What else do you see that's in Psalm 22 that sounds like and reminds you of the crucifixion? What does that mean? Where does he, sorry, in verse 15 in Psalm 22, or verse 15 in chapter 27? Okay, awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. Excuse me, yes, Psalm 22, <clears throat> 18 says, they divided my garments among them for my clothing. <clears throat> Excuse me, they cast lots. And that's exactly what happens in Matthew 27, verse 35. We know that they stripped the Lord down and we're doing just that, casting lots for his clothing. Those were the main ones that I um, kind of took out as I was reading through. Was there anything else that stuck out to any of you as you read that sounded familiar? Or or I suppose as we read it out loud, that reminded you of Jesus? Yeah, absolutely. That's the crucifixion described right there, the culmination of the whole thing. As you can see, we're looking in, as David's writing, it's like like he's prophesying the crucifixion of Jesus and the events surrounding it. The kind of high-level overview of Psalm 22, I think after hearing Candy read it, you could see how we could spend our full four weeks in Psalm 22 alone, but we'll do a high-level overview of it today and see um, how it can help us propel into Psalm 23 next week as we study at home and then come together. Psalm 22 verses 1 through 21, as we read through, and that's where most of our verses that we just paralleled in Matthew 27 came from, we see Christ's suffering and his crucifixion (coughs) Depicting his pain and his prayers, Um, we see Christ in the midst of his enemies. There's several types of suffering that are described. In verse 14, it says, "My bones are out of joint." You see physical pain. Also in verse 14, it says, "My heart is like wax; it is melted within my breast." And what sounds like a fear of what's going on, and what, and a fear in the anticipation of what um, he knows is coming. Verse 15 says, my strength is dried up like a potsherd. That alone, sometimes just the lack of strength is a suffering in and of itself. I know if you're, sometimes when you're sick, you can't even nail down. It's not that I am throwing up. It's not that I have a sinus infection. It's just I have no energy, that sheer exhaustion and lack of strength um, that comes from both physical and emotional exhaustion all woven together. Uh, also in verse 15, he talks about the dust of death. Death is approaching. He's about to die. Verse 16, like you said, is the culminating statement of suffering. They pierced my hands and my feet. Verse 22 begins a transition into Christ's glory and resurrection. The tone changes. We go from reading about the suffering and the mockery and the pain and it transitions in verse 22 through 31. The remainder of the chapter talks about Christ's glory and his resurrection. It depicts his praise and promise um, as Christ as we experience with Christ among his church, we celebrate. The full gospel, not just that Jesus died. Because if he stayed dead, what what good would that do us? Um, but he, as we know, is raised in glory and is a living, um, a living God that is alive with us today. <clears throat> I love verse. Let me flip my pages here. I love verse twenty-four. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, and he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard it when he cried to him. God sees and he hears, and we'll see in the as we continue on to Psalm 23 in the coming weeks, Christ suffered, and not only does that give us salvation when we trust in him, he... Bore the penalty from our sin for our sin and our shame, set us free from it. But in in his suffering, we know that our suffering is not foreign to him. He's been there. He has suffered on our behalf, and he can understand and empathize and sympathize with us. He's not. Um. He's he's been through it, Uh, and he hasn't hidden his face. He sees and he hears so often when I am upset or honestly when I'm rejoicing as well, I just want someone to see and hear. I don't always want a solution given, but just the comfort of knowing someone else, what better person, what better one to see and hear us than God. We're not alone. Even the things that are so painful that we don't want to talk about to anyone, he sees them, he hears them. Um, Verses 27 through 31 continue that praise and talking about praising the Lord before the nations, not just before Israel, but before all of the nations. God's not dead. He lives. And kind of like we saw in the video, it's building that expectation of that coming Messiah. The, um, the hope that they've for years and years been building to and talking about and looking forward to it continues to build that expectancy and that hope that we know is coming in Jesus. It's the whole, it's the whole gospel right here in Psalm 22, which is so exciting. Um, Jesus suffered and died the atoning sacrifice for sin, but he did not stay dead. He lives in resurrected glory. He sees and he hears his people and listens to their cries. I have an <clears throat> another question on the discussion page that's on those clipboards on your tables. I'll just read it for you now. But um, we see in this Psalm 22 that Jesus was the perfect sacrifice for our sins. He suffered on our behalf. Before Jesus died, animal sacrifice, often a lamb or goat or ox, was required for atonement for sin. I, I think that provides such a rich understanding of all of Scripture. If to go back in the Old Testament and study the sacrifices and the whole system that God set up. Again, um, we don't have time to do that in our this study, but um, for our purposes tonight, we'll, we'll just do, uh, just say and <laughs> acknowledge that that's what was required for the atonement of sin. Before Jesus's death, they had to sacrifice an animal, often lamb, goat, or an ox. Um, can someone look up John one twenty nine, or maybe you, you might have it memorized, especially after you hear it, and see what John the Baptist says about Jesus in that verse. Mm-hmm. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And we know he's talking about Jesus. Jesus is the Lamb of God. No longer do we have to sacrifice, make sacrifice for Our sins by way of the bloodshed of an animal because Jesus paid the ultimate price for our sins. And what I love about that and how perfectly placed this psalm is right before Psalm 23, we're going to talk about how the shepherd and the role of a shepherd in Psalm 23, but we'll quickly see that that shepherd we know is Jesus. The shepherd that cares for us, the good shepherd is Jesus. And I love. That picture that we see in Psalm 22 of his crucifixion because Jesus is the lamb that was slain for us, and he's also the shepherd that cares for us. Just painting that beautiful picture again, like I mentioned earlier, of he's been there, he knows the suffering, he's acquainted with the grief that we bear this lifetime in a world full of sin. Um, But he's also that good shepherd to lead us through those times and lead us through. Um, our day-to-day lives, whatever we encounter, and we'll go um, in the coming weeks verse by verse through Psalm 23, and um, it's super fascinating and exciting and just rich, Um, and we'll gain a even deeper understanding of God's care and concern for us. But I love that picture that we have to understand before that, that he is the lamb that was slain for us. Um, that that's our overview of Psalm 22. I want to spend the next little bit of time um, before we spend some time praying for each other, going over what to expect for the rest of our um, study. We're going to focus the next several weeks on Psalm 22, and we, or excuse me, Psalm 23. Today was Psalm 22. Psalm 23. We'll have uh, three more weeks together, and there'll also be some homework in between. So today was a little bit different because you haven't been doing homework before you came. You know, it's the first night, just getting everybody started and giving an introduction to (coughs) the passages that we're going to be working through and spending our time in. Um, But in the coming weeks, we'll come, get coffee, mingle a little bit, check check in on each other, um, and then we'll have some announcements if there's any to get out of the way and then we'll spend time in small group discussion. A little bit different than we did today, but we'll talk about what we have been reading throughout the week, things that you learned. So as you (coughs) go throughout the week, and I'll get to the homework here in a second, but as you um, are encouraged or notice new things from your time in the Word and studying that, jot those down, keep a journal so you can um, come and share those with other people and hopefully encourage them as well. After our small group time, I will um, will have a teaching time where I can hopefully pull together some of the, the thoughts that people have shared and we'll have a few questions in those small group times as well. I'll um, we'll come together and pull together those thoughts from our teaching time. At all of your um, spots on the tables, there's a handout like this. If you'd pull that out. For some of the Bible studies that we've done, we've done different, uh, lots of different varieties of homework, I guess you could say, some where there's questions every day. And I alluded to this earlier. This is going to be a little bit different than at least the studies that I've been a part of. Um, This is your guide. It's not broken up by day or even by week, but I've designed this to be kind of your companion as you read and study. We have the um, unique situation for this study where we're focusing on one chapter, and it's really relatively short. Um, but we're going to spend time practicing some Bible study tools throughout this chapter um, and really dig in. So I don't have um, specific questions for specific days, but I have a guide here. I'm going to kind of read through it, and we'll talk about it. Um, That little paragraph says, read Psalm 23 each day. Work your way through the list below to gain a better understanding of the passage. Keep a journal, jot down your thoughts, observations, questions, Don't rush through the list. You may end up spending several days on one question. The goal is not to complete a certain number of questions each day, but to read consistently, study faithfully, and understand scripture, leaning on the Lord to help you understand. Start and end each time in the word with prayer, asking God to help you understand and allow his word to change your heart and life. You don't have to do these in order. This is kind of how I Approach as I prepare to teach, especially, but even just in my reading, um, I start by reading through. Don't kind of like we did when we read Psalm 22 out loud tonight. Don't stop; just let yourself read the passage all the way through. I encourage you here to try reading it out loud so you can see it and read it. The more of our senses we engage, um, the more it's supposed to stick. I think is one of those things you learn in in in, um, school, but read it out loud. Don't let yourself get hung up on any one thing the first time you read it. Just read it through to gain an understanding of the passage as a whole. And again, try reading it out loud and see what um, stands out to you differently when you're hearing it as well. The next thing on there is read the passage again with a pen. If you were with us for First John, um, Diane presented us with an article about observation. And um, one of the, one of the, it's this, I should have brought it and read it for this group, but it's the student that is supposed to be observing this specimen. I think, I don't even remember, a frog? A fish. A fish. He's supposed to be observing this fish, and so he observes for a while. He's like, okay, what do we do next? And this teacher just keeps telling him, just keep observing the fish. And at some point (coughs) in the story, he gets a pen and starts writing things down and is amazed at what all the all the more things that he sees when he's taking notes and jotting things down, it just helps engage and makes you notice more things. So that's what, um, the encouragement for that next step is read the passage again, this time with a pen. And if you um, want to take notes in a journal, I what I like to do is I have my pages all out of order now from flipping them back and forth, but I like to print a copy of the text depending on what the passage is. Sometimes I'll print it and sometimes I'll do it in my Bible. I have a Bible I use for Bible study and a Bible I take places. But um, I really like to print a copy of the text. So this is after several, several readings and I make notes and I circle things that I don't understand and, or things that I'm like, oh, I think I've heard that somewhere else or a word that um, doesn't make sense to me or um, things like that. And just taking notes on that as you read through the passage. Repeated words, something that particularly resonates with you other parts of scripture that come to mind as you read? Do you see any comparisons or contrasts, circle or highlight things you don't understand? Um, and on another read-through, uh, I encourage you to use a Bible that has cross-references. I like to, I don't always like to use a digital Bible, but I like to use it for cross-references because you can just click on the cross-reference and it'll take, bring up the the other passage that it's referencing, um, make it faster than flipping through. Um, but look up those cross-references and. T- make notes in a journal of how those cross-references help you better understand Psalm 23. Um, the next read-through, and again, this isn't, you don't have to do this all in one day or even one week, These are just some things to guide you through studying Psalm 23 on your own. Um, read the passage again, ask yourself, how does this fit into the greater story of the Bible? So like we did with Psalm 22 tonight, there were several things that we read that, like, yeah, that's almost word for word in Matthew, Twenty-seven. It's an it's a prophecy of the crucifixion of Jesus on the cross. Um, the next one is something that I have a love-hate relationship with. <laughs> paraphrasing. It's so hard. I in the we did a Jen Wilkins study a couple semesters ago, and she is often in her homework has you do paraphrasing, and usually those are the questions that in the daily homework I skip, and then sometimes come back to, and then it just is. it's hard, but what it does do is help you really think about what the text means. What does this verse really mean? Because you're trying to put it in your own words, but it is hard, and it might take a while, um, but I encourage you to give it a try, even if it's just one verse that you take out and say, okay, sit down. I'm going to try and put this in my own words, and um, see what greater understanding that brings, and um, One thing I like to do, that's what a lot of my marks on my page are, is marking each reference to God. The pronouns that refer to him, the names of God that you see, and as you read, marking those through and then ask yourself, what does this passage teach you about God? What does it teach me about God? Because like we said, that's our whole point in studying is to know God. He's given us his word that we might know him. Um, So that's an important question to ask as we As we do this, I was um, kind of bouncing some of these ideas off of my mom while I was preparing, and we were talking through some of them, and she's like, I did it, and I made my list of all the things that taught me about God, and my list was really long. So um, it's encouraging to know, because it's easy to forget, isn't it? Easy to forget all the things that we know to be true about God in the midst of a busy day, or a, a difficult day, or a difficult season that you think surely must be almost over. It's easy to lose sight of, um, the truth of who we know God to be, but when we can make a list and remind ourselves, um, it's encouraging and uh, gives us a solid foundation to stand on. Um, In light of who a passage tells you God is, what does it tell you about God? As you read and after you've considered, what does it tell me about God? Make another list and ask yourself, okay, in light of who God is, what does this passage say about who I am? And then the last thing there, how can all the truths above what it says about God, what it says about you, how can that change your life? And that's where you start to really apply and ask yourself some of those practical things. What areas of my life can this um, change and what need to change? So that's the homework sheet. I'll send it with you today. I know it can seem intimidating when we talk about all of those things at once, but don't let it be intimidating. It's just designed to... um, help us study the Word of God. I like to keep it on a clipboard, propped up where I study my Bible as I'm going through a passage. Um, But give it a try. I think you might be surprised. I know God is always faithful to surprise me with new things. Um, So I'll send it with you. And like I said, I hope that as you work your way through it, you'll have some thoughts and encouragement to share with the rest of us when you come. Um, But don't get bogged down trying to get through it in a cer- at a certain pace or anything like that. Um, take your time because that's, um, that's what really helps us to pause and learn the most when we're letting ourselves um, sit in some of the things that might be more difficult to understand. So that's the homework. Again, we'll focus our, we're gonna end a little bit early tonight, but we'll focus next week on Psalm 23 verses one through three. We're going to go verse by verse, kind of phrase by phrase, um, and it's, it's exciting. I think you'll be very encouraged, but we'll, um, I'm going to end us in a word of prayer, and then we'll spend some time talking about how we can pray for each other for the next week too. So let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for this picture of the gospel in Psalm 22 leading into um, an even greater understanding of Jesus Christ, our shepherd. Psalm 23. And thank you that you've designed your word to tell um, the story of the gospel on every page. And uh, God, as we continue our study, I ask that you would um, encourage our hearts and give us the resolve to sit and study your word um, with our minds and um, just intentionally ask ourselves some of the more difficult questions as we study and allow ourselves um, just the time to really commit to reading and even doing the difficult work that it sometimes takes to um, see how rich your love for us is on the pages of your word. So God, I um, just ask your blessing over these women as they set out to study Psalm 23, and ask that you bring us all back safely next week as well. In Jesus' name.